Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In an era of online retail where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana, you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show. Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you. Or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a seven-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. Hey there, movie fans. Welcome to Collider Videos for your consideration. This is our weekly award series tracking the ups and downs of award season leading up to the Academy Awards, which are we are closing in February 9th. So right now, beginning of January, I guess you could say that we're at mile mile 17, Perry. <laughs> it's <We're>, done. <laughs> I, I finished it. I feel like you're going to give me anxiety. Again. No, no, this is great because like, you, you, like I can talk about like this in marathon terms. I can now. You get it. You finally I do. get it. And you were still running. We are all still What's running. What's a marathon? <laughs> What's a marathon? Yeah. Didn't you see Britney run? It's a marathon, but great. we are it's back. Top 10. It is. Ooh, that is great to I was hear. I'm very okay, happy we'll, to see we'll your get list. To all this. We'll get to all this. But right now, we are, we're, we're sort of, it's, it's a month left to go until the Academy Awards. We're really in the swing of things here. Not only are we in the swing of things here at Collider Videos for your consideration, but we're really in the swing of things with our partners at Arclight Cinemas. They are sponsoring season two of Collider FYC, and they have really been crushing it with the Collider FYC Arclight FYC screening series. We have a bunch left to go this season, and we'll talk more about those coming up. But we just want to give a big, big, huge thanks to our partners and our sponsors, our good friends at Arc Light Cinemas. But right now, we are going to really get through a really, really jam-packed show today with three categories that we're going to predict the nominees for, starting with, what are we starting with, Jeff Snyder? Original screenplay. Original screenplay it is. So let's start, Perry Nemiroff, from one to five. What is your number one pick, your lock, for original screenplay? My number one pick is going to be Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story. Okay. I I have a very good feeling that, uh, and I've been saying this for a while now, I think Netflix is going to clean up with nominations. And when it comes to Marriage Story in particular, I think that this is its most likely chance of winning. Because I do think Noah Baumbach is going to get bumped out of the Best Director category. And I think that a lot of folks that might have voted for him in that category are instead going to say, let's give him a screenplay nomination. And also, Marriage Story. 
rave reactions across the board. This is its category, I think. Jeff, where do you stand on marriage? Completely story? agree with Perry. This is my number one. And for the same reasons, too. Like, I, I don't think that Noah Baumbach is going to get a Best Director nomination. So this is how they will reward him with an original screenplay nom. And this is a writer's movie. It's just chock full of delicious dialogue that uh, that ScarJo and Adam Driver do. Scar- hey, we, we're close. I can call her that, okay? <laughs> they, they do a great job of bringing to life. So, yeah, I think Marriage Story is a lock. Well, I agree with you. Marriage Story is my number one choice as well. We are, we are starting this off. Okay. We all agree on the number one. Marriage Story is just a beautiful film. It is what they. It is what it's. What it's what's built as a love story about a breakup, and that is very genuine. It, it feels so real. It is authentic. It is raw. It is intimate. It's very very personal. Noah Baumbach, who wrote and directed the film, based it on his own breakup with actress Jennifer Jason Lee. And I think the dialogue, like you said, Jeff, it is so crisp and so chock full of great great dialogue. dialogue. And and all these actors saying the dialogue, no matter how large or small their parts are. Everyone just has such great dialogue to work with. Noah Baumbach is already an Oscar nominee for 2005's The Squid and the Whale, and I think that this is just his best movie yet. Okay, Marriage Story, original screenplay, number one choice for, for all three of us. What's your number two, Jeff? Uh, I went with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I mean, Quentin Tarantino, the, the writer's branch, loves him. This is a really good script, you know, even if I think it goes off the rails towards the end. Uh, <laughs> Literally. Yeah, it, like, it, Quentin scripts, though, you can, like, you can read them. They're, they're like, you know, they're, they're amazing on their own, even without his visuals and what he brings to, uh, to the picture as a filmmaker. Um, yeah, I, like, I, this seems undeniable to me. He's getting in. Okay, Je- Perry? It's my number two as well. Wow. And, and again, I got I to gotta echo everything you just said. And, you know, right behind Netflix this year, I think it might be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood getting the most amount of love. I and, agree. You know, again, I, I am a little mixed on the movie overall, but there's like one of my favorite things every single year, because you know how many mailers we get with, you know, like some fun stuff every now and then, like yeah, things, yeah, sure. things to keep. But I really do like the opportunity to get a physical screenplay in my hands and be able to flip through it because, you know, it's it's wonderful seeing a whole movie come together, but it's another thing to be completely detached and just immersed in the words that are on the page and that's that's kind of what makes a script like that shine. You know, uh, I have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood number four on my list, but it is oh, in wow. my top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah my, my number two and three are interesting. I'm okay. curious why, why you put it so well, much I'll, lower than us. I'll tell you in a sec. But it has to be pointed out that just like Marriage Story is a deeply personal film for Noah Baumbach, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a deeply personal story for Tarantino. This is He described this film to to everyone as uh, when when he was when they were developing it and they were in pre-production on it he wanted the movie to look like what he saw about LA when he was 8 years old sitting in the back of the car driving around Los Angeles Hollywood Westwood and and that's what you see and the thing about Tarantino's dialogue he's a two-time academy award winner for his screenplays for pulp fiction and Django Unchained when you watch his movies and you see the actors with their dialogue, it makes it sound like, like they're improvising because he writes 
for his characters so very well when the fact is that they are, for the most part, they really have to stick to the script. And it is a testament to Tarantino's many talents as a screenwriter in addition to a director that he can write so rich for his characters. Uh, So number four for me, number two for you. I'm happy to move mine up to number two. But uh, my number two, actually, I have for Parasite. Uh, written by Bong Joon-ho with Jin Won Han. Uh, this movie won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival. And this is a wild, crazy movie that has an explosive finale, even more explosive than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think. Uh, this is an off-the-wall, off-the-rails, crazy movie that says so much and it's number two for me. What about you? It's my number three. Okay, good. It's my, it's my number three, and Parasite is one of the ones that keeps creeping higher and higher on certain <laughs> lists that I have the uh-huh. more I watched it. I rewatched it again over the holiday with my family. And I mean, I had this reaction the first time I saw it, but I had it even more so the next time around and then the next time around after that. And it's just... There's so much in that movie. I love the fact that I can't box it into a single genre. And yeah. there's so many things in it that that shouldn't work. But the whole thing just melds together seamlessly. And really, if we're going to focus on the dialogue, I yep. mean, every single sentence uttered in that movie has meaning and weight and value. And just, I don't know, I really am blown away by how seamlessly, like, the comedy, the drama, the horror, etc., just blend together so well well and it really is a story that i have never experienced before is parasite on your lip by the way agree completely one hundred thousand percent. harry and i are in sync parasite was my number three it it is a great like souffle of genres (laughs) um but like once upon a time in hollywood it does kind of go off the rails for me at the end but it's so good up until that point and it does have a lot to say in its exploration of class and and uh those kinds of issues um yeah, I, I think I think Bong is going to get both writing and directing noms when all is said and done. Uh, all, Agreed. All of your points, I agree a hundred percent, a hundred thousand percent. With in addition, I just want to point out the thing that really struck me about Parasite is that the the rich people in the film, you know, it, it, he could have Bong Joon Ho, he, he could have made them like one Obno- He could have made them obnoxious. Yeah, yeah, he could have made them obnoxious, but they. You know they're kind of nice. Yeah. They're you know they're they're not that bad. And then the uh, the family, the mooches, the parasites, so to speak, they could have been same thing, one dimensional, obnoxious villains. Right. But they're just a family that just had a bad luck. It it, it just didn't have their time, and they didn't get their moment. They tried. It didn't work out. And it's relatable. A lot of people just don't get their shot. And uh, I, I love this film. And I think, like, like you, the more I see it, the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the more it kind of moves up in this and other categories for me. All right, so it's your three. It's your three. So that means I got to say my three, which is The Farewell. The Farewell, okay. okay. Lula Wong, writer, director, another personal story here just like Merritt's story in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, and a true standout from the Sundance Film Festival which was almost a year ago where is the farewell on your list? Four. Four. So even is it really? Very it's freaking I... me out. And I swear wow. we didn't share lists before yeah. recording this show. Man. Uh, I 
It, it's my number four, and I could I could say a, a similar thing as I did for Marriage Story, where I do think that it's not going to get in, sadly, in the best directing category. I think yeah. a lot of the love is going to be directed in the attention of this category. Plus, also, I do think more and more Aquafina has a bigger shot of not only locking the nomination, but rising higher up in my predictions, maybe not necessarily to win at this point, but higher and higher. I think she's going to... Uh, she she might fare fairly well at the I I didn't do it on purpose but I got that? caught up in that phrasing at the Golden Globes this weekend yeah, I but so uh, I really believe in this movie and I really believe it deserves to be in this category this movie from Sundance in addition to Britney runs a marathon just like it rocked me to my core and lately I've been getting very excited when I see a movie that moves me to such an extent that it makes me do something after and the first thing I did after walking out of my first screening of this movie was call my grandmother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Success. Right. Where do you stand exactly. on the farewell? Uh, so it's number four for you? I called my nine-nine as well. After. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought the farewell was, was excellent. It's my third favorite film of the year. Lula Wong did an incredible job, and, and she, it does seem like she's being uh, overlooked uh, as best director because, again, mm-hmm. the, mo- the movie isn't like flashy in, in terms of its direction. It's not the kind of movie that lends itself to a best director nomination, but it is a, a brilliantly written piece of work. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that, on, honestly, all of this year's original screenplay nominees are going to hail from writer-directors. Well, the, the interesting thing is our top four all match, <laughs> even if my order was a little different from yours. Right. So, uh, so far, I don't, I don't know what your number five is yet. But I just want to point out how the top four that we all agree on, all these screenplays were written by the people who directed them. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if our number five matches, who do you have? (laughs) So I feel like this is where we might diverge. I don't think it is. (gasps) No way. Okay, what? I am going with a writer-director. Okay. Knives Out. Ryan Johnson. Okay. That's okay, another why? All right. That's a that's another one mm. where every single time I watch it, that script's got no holes in it. Every single moment of screen time, every single bit of dialogue is used to maximum effect. That script is so expertly crafted where it takes something that, you know, might feel a little dated as far as the the Agatha Christie inspired who done it and it modernizes it. It's fun and engaging to watch and it it's exciting to see what the answers are in the end, but it also is something much more meaningful to say. At at the same time, I really think that this one could get in and also deserves to be in the conversation. Is that not your number five? It is. Oh my uh, goodness I'm gracious! So Real oh my. Right yeah, I thought. I thought <laughs> what the, is it with you two? I don't know. I don't know. I thought what the movie was a mess, and my dad thought it sucked, but. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think people are really liking this, and oh, wow. it's not a very deep year. I, I really only think that there's one other movie that could, uh, you know, make a play for that fifth slot, which I think is Uncut Gems. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm very curious if Scott has a different fifth movie. But yeah, I, you know, people generally like, you know, Ryan Johnson, and uh, it is a. I can see how some people think it's a very clever twist on an Agatha Christie thing. So, yeah, I think it gets in. So here's the thing. So Ryan Johnson knives out. You know, I've seen the movie a bunch of times and well, three times. And what I'll say about this film and the screenplay is that the more I see it, the more I've realized how just watertight the, the screenplay is. And what I mean is like, you know, when I saw it for the first time, you know, just following the, the ins and outs and the, you know, the, uh, the reveals and the surprises. And the, and, but you go back and you watch a movie like this again, and it's actually a more rewarding experience the second time, even though you know how it ends, because you are looking for holes. You're looking to see if it all makes sense. And guess what? It does in spades. It is fantastic screenplay. That is why Jeff Snyder and 
paranormal activity. Knives Out is number six on my list. Number six. It is my number one honorable mention. My number five here, ladies and gentlemen, went to Pain and Glory. Pedro Almodovar, who was an Academy Award winner, best original screenplay for 2002's Talk to Her. And just like once upon a time, the farewell and marriage story. This is a very personal story for Pedro. Uh, you could argue uh, and and win that uh, Antonio Banderas plays a loose version of Pedro himself. He is a filmmaker whose hair looks very much like Pedro's, but this is a not only a personal film, but it's also poignant and uh, profound and. I would say one of my top three Pedro Almodovar films. Now, having said that, go ahead. What are you going to say? This is one of my big blind spots this year, Pain and Glory, because I haven't seen the movie. Okay. And I do think that a big part of it and why it's not going to get in, why Antonio Banderas may miss out on a Best Actor nomination, Uh is that they haven't, Pedro and him have not been uh, campaigning. They're they're not available to do it, I don't think. Well, they've done some, but in terms of of exposure and visibility, I agree. they, They haven't been out there enough. Uh, whereas Knives Out, how many Q and A's? Oh my God! Like six. It's, they're they're out and about, going <laughs> okay, crazy yeah. with it, and and it's paying off. But that is my fear with a movie like Pain and Glory. It's right. pretty much exactly how you described it: is that it could be in many voters' blind spots. Well, but the th- question is this: for the no- number five spot, either film, Knives Out and Pain and Glory, are equally deserving of the number five slot. So, do you go with the screenplay of someone who has been in the graces, the great? graces of the academy for decades or do you go with someone who has who's definitely beloved as a screenwriter and as a director who really like this would be a a, a big a big uh, uh boost for him like who do you go with i'm fine either way like, like I think does- you go with Ryan Johnson, who has the backing of a major studio like Lionsgate behind him. Uh, I just don't know if Sony Pictures has is, it is Sony Pictures Sony that Pictures did Pain and Glory. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, don't um, I don't know if they've just spent the the way that you need to to get a, a screenplay nomination. At mm-hmm. least I think, mm-hmm. like it's up for foreign language, right? Pain and yes, Glory. It is. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think a nomination there could be sort of the win, and, and that's how it's recognized. Yeah, I just I don't see it beating out Knives Out. Perry. Yeah, I I would say maybe if maybe if Pain and Glory was like miles better than Knives Out, I would have more faith in sure, it, even yeah. without the studio backing. Right. But that you know that isn't the case here. Knives Out is also an excellent script, yes, so is. I gotta lean towards and that. People like Ryan Johnson; he's not a divisive figure like even a Noah Baumbach or Quentin Tarantino. Maybe uh, so. I think he has a lot of goodwill in the industry. I think he's employed a lot of people in the industry uh, in the academy. So I think he has the edge over Pedro. And, and you know what? I think also uh, a thing for for. Ryan Ryan Johnson's favor is uh, he followed up a Star Wars movie with I feel like Knives Out was the movie he always wanted to make like this was all him and you know it it is it is such an intricate screenplay to the point where many of the cast members would question him while they were filming like like what about this what about that they would call him out on things trying to find holes in it and he always had the right answers and you know we've all seen the movie and he definitely does all right uh, I, i'm just gonna say that uh you know nice ad is number five do you think uncut gems has no chance at all here uh, for screenplay yeah it, it has a chance uh speaking of honorable mentions i think that uncut gems has a chance uh i would say that honey boy 
written by Shia LaBeouf. I mm-hmm. think it's more of a long shot. It's deserving of a nomination, I, but it is a long shot. Any other honorable mentions for you? Well, my long shot that I wish would sneak in. You know what it is. It's, is, it's uh, Booksmart. Booksmart. It's books, I just want to see, see Booksmart get some sort of love from the Academy, and this does feel like it's best shot to me. I know that it... it might be unrealistic, especially with so much great competition in the mix, but that mm. is an excellent comedy script right there. And I really do deep down believe that even though that movie didn't necessarily crush it at the box office, I think that's one that's going to stand the test of time and it's going to become a high school comedy classic. Oh, it already is. I completely agree. There's yeah. another movie I wanted to mention uh, that's actually coming up in our FYC screening series, and that's Us. Do we think that Us has a oh, chance here in original oh screenplay? I mean, God. this guy won the Oscar. Uh, you know what? It was not on my uh, not on my list, but it should be. And I know you love it, Perry. <laughs> if if I were picking and choosing for this category myself, I, I would be prioritizing Parasite, Knives Out, Booksmart, and Us at least. Mm-hmm. And you know, at least I could get two of the the four that I just named, but. I, I am a very big believer in us, and I think that's one of those ones that's similar to what you just said with Knives Out, where you could watch it over and over, and you can get something meaningful out of it every single time. You could see little things that you didn't see the first time around, and I know that there's a lot of questions that spawned a million different explainers and theories and all that stuff, but I don't know. I feel like an expertly crafted script can only get an audience to engage with the material quite like that, and that's the kind of engagement where you could walk away with something meaningful. So uh, I applaud Peel for that one all day agreed, long. Agreed, agreed. Okay, so, so, so our top five, our marriage story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, The Farewell, Parasite, and Knives Out. Okay, so that's original screenplay. That means we're done with that. So we are moving on to best... (laughs) I didn't bring my laptop, sorry. We are moving on to best adapted screenplay. All right, so... Jeff, who's near number one? I have The Irishman, uh, written by Steve Zalian. I thought he did a great job with this. Um, even though I didn't you know, love the movie, like I, I, the themes that it explores, uh, I think, will really speak to the Academy. And you know, the movie obviously has a ton of support from the guilds and within the industry, and Netflix is spending through the nose. So Nef- uh, you know, The Irishman was my number one. Okay, Perry, you're number one? Oh, well, Irishman was my number two. Oh, oh. Irishman was my number two, surprisingly, because I've been uh, I've been predicting Irishman pretty high up on most lists. Yeah, but I, I, the last I checked, it was I, pretty I, high. <laughs> I flip-flopped on this one, I think, because my number one is something that I've been re-watching a lot, and I think it's something that's picking up quite a bit of steam now, and I think it's going to pay off. But, you know, the Irishman, I think, deserves to be in the mix on this one. It's getting a whole lot of love. It's benefiting from the extreme Netflix campaign that's happening right now. And I think it's going to pop up in a whole bunch of categories. But I think something is going to emerge as the more likely nomination getter very before you soon. Get to that, before you get to that, Irishman, I do have to say, was my number one pick as well. Steve Zalian is an Academy Award winner. Adapted screenplay for 1993's Schindler's List. He was nominated three other times for Awakenings. Remember that mm-hmm. movie? Gangs of New York and Moneyball. And when I think about the screenplay, I think about scenes like the fish in the backseat of the car, where, where they're all coming. What's 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 with the fish in the backseat? Uh, you know, like that scene. I just like it felt like a Tarantino kind of dialogue. Uh, same with like uh, uh, you know the the scene with uh, being late 
10 minutes late. No, you were 15 minutes late. You should never right. wait more than 10 minutes. See, I love stuff Everything like that. Everything with Tony Pro was great. Right? Everything with – right. That was – that to me is where you go – now, this is, this is a, a real rich screenplay. And I also love the scene where Joe Pesci is basically telling Robert De Niro to whack Jimmy Hoffa. You know, that, that scene of convincing mm-hmm. uh, an understated conviction by Joe Pesci, that's great dialogue. That's why Irishman was also my number one. What was your number one, Perry? So my number one is now Little Women. Oh, what? I, Whoa. Yeah. Number I, one? Whoa! I think, I think that it had a solid week one in wide release at the box office. It's going to benefit from all this buzz through award season, and... I just get the feeling like that was one of the later entries that's going to pick up more and more steam. And I don't know, just watch some Q&As of Greta Gerwig talking about the adaptation process and look what she did with that. I mean, that's a story that we've seen time and time again. You might think to yourself, why do we need to tell this story again? She took something that, that takes place in a completely different era, held true to that, but also modernized the concept in the same time she framed it in a completely different way i don't know i just think when we're talking about an adapted screenplay that is taking iconic source material and making so much more of it and i am wildly impressed actually one more point i want to make about this that i said i said the same thing during the farewell where i called my grandmother both times i've watched uh, little women now the first thing i've done is texted my sister Wow. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, well. To be fair, Little Women is number four on my list. Uh, uh, you know, Greta Gerwig uh, directing and screenplay nominations for Lady Bird, and what I love about. Uh, first of all, obviously based on the book by Louisa May Alcott, mm-hmm. classic classic book done in 1994 with uh, Winona Ryder. Um, but what I what I loved about this film was how modern it felt. It was not. It was classic. But it was modern. It was it was traditional, but it was also radical. It was current, but it was still took place after the Civil War. So I thought that's a big testament to Greta Gerwig for making something that felt very, very modern and today, while keeping it in the roots of its original source material. Is Little Women on your list, Jeff Snyder? It is. It's number three on my list. And Perry, I also texted your sister after I saw it. <laughs> that is um, wildly disturbing. Uh, I thought Greta Gerwig did a really nice job with this adaptation. I do think that it, it seems like she may miss out on a Best Director nomination as yeah, well. I hope not. So everyone mm. who misses out on a Best Director nomination is getting rewarded with the screenplay nomination. <laughs> well, it's true. There's twice true. as many nominees after all. Um, you know, my, it's oddly enough, my favorite stuff or my least favorite stuff was uh, with Joe and the sisters. I actually liked everything with Tracy Letts. I loved everything with Timothy yeah, Chalamet. Like, yeah. uh, this, the, the, and I really like Laura Dern's work uh, as, as well and, and, and Meryl Streep. But yeah, I didn't. The sister stuff is where I was like had trouble relating to it because I had two brothers. I didn't have any sisters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, like Greta Gerwig did a really, really nice job with this. And I do think that she will make you know, the like final five. Sibling rivalry. In, in your family? Oh, there was a ton of sibling rivalry, but I just, it wasn't quite the way that it is in this movie. Okay. Okay, so, so Perry, so, so Little Women is your number one. Irishman yes. is your number two. What's yes. your number three? My number three is Jojo Rabbit. Okay. Here's okay. An, yet another one that I think is going to pick up more and more steam as we get closer to nomination day. I just think that uh, I, for one, right now, needed a movie about simple human kindness. And, you know, maybe you have one one perception of someone, but when you learn a little more about them, it's something completely different. And 
I really think that Taika Waititi did what we thought was the impossible when they first announced this script. I mean, I just remember the headlines. Taika Waititi is is doing a Hitler comedy. That's, <laughs> that's sound, comedy. That sounds so wrong, but what I walked away with was just like such a, a, a warm, loving message that I wish I had when I was growing up. So mm-hmm. this is another one that wound up in my top 10 of the year, and I really hope that he is honored for his work in this script. Is Jojo Rabbit on your list? List. Yes, it is. It's number four on my list, and it was. Uh, it is my pick, like my personal pick, to to win uh, best adapted screenplay. Oh, okay. Like I, I, I just thought that uh, what Taika pulled off here, he threaded an absolute needle. Like this is has to be such a careful balancing act, um, and a lot of people, you know. It, it, it is a divisive film. He didn't necessarily convince them, but he convinced me, and I feel bad for the people who who just can't laugh at this movie because I think it's very funny and it's also very tragic. But the way that he weaves the heart and the humor together is is the most impressive, uh, you know, adapted screenplay of the year for me. But I do have it at number four as far as her prediction goes. So Jojo Rabbit is number two on my list. Uh, The big reasons for that is the changing tones of this film. A lot of that is direction, but it's also about the written word. You know, this movie is a a dark comedy, uh, but it is serious what it needs to be. And it shifts those tones seamlessly, organically, and honestly. And I felt that that is a testament to Taika Waititi as a writer and as a director. And uh, Taika Waititi actually is already an Oscar nominee for Best Live Action Short for 2004's Two Cars, One Night. And let's face it, Taika Waititi directed what was the best episode of them all of The Mandalorian. (laughs) Holy Toledo, that show is a Amazing! The Mandalorian's on Disney Plus. You gotta watch it. It's the best Star Wars thing to happen since The Empire Strikes Back. I know I'm digressing here. Back to Jojo Rabbit. You know, it takes a lot to be able to make a Holocaust comedy or or at least something in this tone or or with Hitler. I mean, you have the producers directed by Mel Brooks and you have uh, uh, Life is Beautiful uh, directed by Roberto Benigni. And this movie feels a lot like Life is Beautiful uh, in terms of its tone. It's about a parent and a and a, a child. And beautiful film, number two on my list. So, so okay, so your number one is Little Women. Your number yes. two is Irishman. Your number three was Jojo. Three, okay, so what's your number four? My number four is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Okay, all right. This is a movie I finally got the opportunity to catch up on. Um, I think I'm a little more high on the directing on this one than I am the screenplay necessarily, but I still do think it is a very good shot of getting in. I I don't know, when I think about this movie and, and how good it really is, I, I think about... I don't know. I'm sure a lot of this was on the page to begin with, but I think about, you know, like the style and again, the transitions and the, and the different visual formats and in particular, the pacing, like the pacing of that movie should feel slow and drag and make me sleepy, but it, it matches like the tone of the movie and the performance is so, so well. I, I don't know, but I do, I do think it's going to get in, in the writing category, but Marielle Heller needs to be talked about oh, more. She, no, I, I agree. She directed a terrific movie. Is Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood on your list? Yes, it is. Where is it? Number five. Number five. Okay. Ooh, okay. We're yeah. still pretty right. close I, here. I, 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 it's, a, it's a tough one because I think that Joker is knocking on the door of a nomination here. 
Uh, I hmm. love Joker, but A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood was also in my top ten for the year. I loved uh, what, what Marielle Heller did with this movie. I had to take a moment after the film ended and, and just sit with my thoughts. Yeah, really, yeah, I did too. Yeah, it, it, hit me, it hit me hard. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that it... It beats out Joker for a nomination for me. Well, uh, I love The Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's number three on my list. Screenplay by Micah Fitzerman-Blue and Noah Harpster. They are Emmy nominees for uh, writing Transparent, the TV series. And you talk about, when you were talking about Jojo Rabbit, you talked about simple human kindness. I mean, when it comes to simple human kindness, you can't do better than Mr. Rogers. And Tom Hanks is sensational, but again, this is not the movie version of uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor. This mm-hmm. is a completely different story focusing on the journalist played by Matthew Reese. From the first five minutes of this movie, when uh, sort of the movie is a the movie is basically a, uh, an episode of, of beautiful of uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and uh, when Tom Hanks uh, comes out and he's doing his show open, but then the first five minutes, I was already feeling the emotion. And uh, I thought it ended on a very uh, profound, uh, almost haunting note when Fred Rogers pounds the piano. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the movie. To, um, to be fair, yeah. I should be giving the two of them proper credit for the structuring of the screenplay, mm-hmm. which was exceptionally well done. Absolutely. Okay, so, so all right. Well, then, Perry, what's number five on your list? You'll be happy about this. My number five is Joker. Oh, okay. I've, I've got a... Uh, I've got renewed faith in Joker in a number of categories. This is what happens when you watch a movie multiple times. You have that one initial reaction, which I think still has value. So I'll always hold tight to that initial tweet. I and saw my, that. And my, <laughs> review, and my review after one viewing of the movie. But I think that doesn't stop you from having different reactions as you continue to live with a piece of material like this. And this is one of those ones that just it creeps in more and more and more intensely. And... I just can't believe this goes back to my conversation about uh, adapting source material that we thought we knew one way and they have brought so much more out of it. And I feel like Joker might be challenging us to engage with this fictional character in a way that bleeds into real world behavior, maybe more so than ever. And that's probably one of the shining qualities in the script to me. So I think it is going to wind up creeping in and passing maybe one or two others that have a shot at this fifth slot. Joker was so great. I just had to say, I watched it again for a third or fourth time the other night. Love this movie. Um, but I, I think Todd Phillips has a better chance as a director this season. I think really? they could yeah. really recognize him for that. And, and again, I wasn't making it up before. The script changed every day. Every day on set, they, they you know redid the script with Joker. Uh, and I don't know if the Academy will sort of hold that against them. You know what I mean? So, so you, is it number five on your list? No. Oh, then no. what is? Uh, you, I, you guys oh, skipped oh, over my oh. number two. What was what was your number two? Your a number movie that two. was not even on Perry's list is okay. my number two. What is your number two? It features the word two in it. Uh, it's I'm going to say, popes. wait, it was what? The two okay. popes. Okay, all right. That's my number five. But yeah. okay. The two popes uh, is great. I mean, I kind of had to force myself to watch this movie. I was like, yeah, two popes, two old guys. Seems <laughs> kind of boring. Um, I loved it. It was just a, a beautiful film about friendship and about you know, uh, human beings who have differences, but who can still, you know, get past them. Um, and 
Yeah, I, I just I thought that I, I think that Anthony McCartan, who I think was nominated for the Theory of Everything. Before, yes, he was uh, nominated uh, for uh, for a screenplay, best adapted screenplay for Theory of Everything. Right. He also was nominated as a producer twice right. for Theory of Everything and for Dark and, and Sour. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the Academy I think really respects this guy, and that's why he was so high on my list. Uh, Two Popes is my number five for the same things that you you pointed out. I I, I feel like. You know, in all the talk with like picture, director, acting, and, and screenplay, there are certain movies that are will fare much better and are more deserving for a screenplay nomination. Like we talk about the farewell. Well, maybe it won't get director, but it's absolutely a great screenplay. That's how I feel about Two Popes. The thing about Two Popes is I I know nothing about uh, the Vatican and the papacy or any of that, but I really connected to the friendship, the the. Uh, the interaction between these two guys behind closed doors, you know, you take away all of the uh, the popeness of everything, and it's just these two guys with different opinions, and I've really connected and related to that. It is my number five, and I will say that my number six, otherwise known hmm. as my honorable mention number one, was Joker. Yeah. My number six would have been two popes, but... but- so I, I did finally watch Two Popes, but I had the same experience you had. I, I really liked it, but it was a little bit of a struggle to get myself to push play on it. And when you look at all of the other ones, or at least what I, what I have in my top five, it's not necessarily the same thing, except for maybe the Irishman. But I think the Irishman gets over that hump in a different way. Yeah, the but the, have all, have the other ones are, are not necessarily easy watches, but you are probably more inclined to jump into that than, let's say, the two popes. And, and I'm afraid that will be too, too much of a wall for it to get past. OK, uh, so so what was your so two so popes my, my five my five was Joker. Okay, your and five was Joker. I think Joker's going to get it. And we have the two popes. We have two popes two in to our one, top five. I think you know just out of majority. I'm willing here. to f- to flip it because okay. I do think both have a chance. I agree. But do I we, agree. Do we think that let's say they both get in? Is there anything that we think that could fall out? Like no, I don't think I, Jojo I, Rabbit falls out. No, I don't think beautiful. Uh, you know what? I don't think Little Women falls. I think. Irishman stays, JoJo stays, Little Women stays. If anything, I think it's a beautiful day, but I yeah. still think that has a better chance than both Joker and I Two agree. Popes. I agree okay. with that. So, so uh, just because you're for being selfless, you know, we're grateful. So we're going to go with Irishman, uh, JoJo Rabbit, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Little Women, and Two Popes. Just a, a big shout out to a couple of films that I really did love for their screenplays. One of them was Toy Story 4. Which you know these movies, I, I think I think Toy Story three is actually the best of the bunch. But for Toy Story four to be as mm-hmm. good as it was was a was a pleasant surprise. Another film that I think just is a is a triumph for for in the way it, it lays out the case is Just Mercy. Just Mercy is a is a pretty straightforward movie, courtroom drama, civil rights drama, but the dialogue, uh, the relationships feels very genuine it is does it is not melodramatic at all which is what i one of the things i really love about it and i just was really able sometimes you know i don't know what it is maybe this is why i did not go into law school but i find sometimes a courtroom dramas can get very convoluted but this was not convoluted and uh i really thought it was terrific any other honorable mentions here for either of you 
Not that actually has a shot, but I would give a shout out to Hustlers. I think that's another example okay, sure. of, of a great adaptation as far as the format of that article goes and how they made it into a movie that wasn't necessarily told in a straightforward manner, but kind of reflected the format of the article. And by doing that, it puts you in Constance Wu's head in the movie a little more. And it just adds a very interesting and engaging wrinkle to that story. One more honorable mention here is the movie Clemency. You know, another death row drama, just like Just Mercy, uh, written and directed by Chunone Chukwu, starring Alfred Woodard, is a terrific film, a Sundance movie. It's finally opened in select cities. It's going to platform through January. Terrific movie. I just don't know that enough people saw it. Any other comments here on uh, adapted screenplay? No. Well, speaking of Just Mercy and a whole bunch of the other movies that we've been talking about so far on Collider FYC, we want to again thank our partner and our sponsor for season two of Collider FYC. That's Arc Light Cinemas. We have so far done four Collider FYC screenings at the Arclight Theater in Hollywood, which is the best theater on the face of the planet. Let's see. We did Knives Out. We did Joker. We did uh, uh, Rocketman. And our fourth screening that came together mighty fast right before the holidays was Just Mercy that I had the honor of moderating with film stars Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. Here's a little clip right now. Take a look. Jamie, you've you've known Michael since he was... Yeah, yeah. How, how? Like, how do you guys know each other? I mean, man, look, first of all, I saw this. Per, there's a reason why his name is Michael B. Jordan for a reason. He can hoop. So I saw the boy. <laughs> they had this little bullshit uh, uh, NBA uh, entertainment. entertainment league where all the actors were trying to hoop. It was terrible. <laughs> and then he came in and, oh, my God, he, <laughs> he did some move on one actor. I won't say who it was. But he did a move and. He, it looked like he disappeared, and the actor ended up in the parking lot, and he laid it up, and then that, they got mad at him because, like, wait, wait a minute, he's playing, t- it's not fair, we're supposed, to, we're supposed to fix it like they fixed the movie. Anyway, he was, <laughs> so, so we embraced him uh, just as an athlete, you know, and then watching him, you know, grow from the wire, all these different things, and so, you know, I, I, I'm known to to have a lot of people come to my house or sleep on the couch or me give them information of, that I've been given from people like Quincy Jones or people that that are that are you know that are legends in the business. So I just pass it on to him because I saw I saw something special in Mike, and we were just talking we were just talking before we got here about what makes it special, like what makes a movie special, and I say that it's the person who you go to see. And when I saw Mike at an early age, I, uh, I just knew, and we all the homies, we just knew. He said, boy, that boy got something. So we just always tried to, anytime he needed something, just outside of the business, just, you know, get your hair right, man. This, this, this place is crazy. So we would uh, embrace him as our, our little brother or our nephew or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and I think he's turning out just fine. I'd say so. You can watch the entire Q&A right now elsewhere on Collider.com. And if you live in Southern California, then this is your lucky month, January. We have a whole bunch more of our Collider FYC screenings at Arclight Cinemas in Hollywood. So go to Collider.com or go to ArclightCinemas.com and check out. We have Q&As coming up for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 1917, Little Women, Book Smart. Us and 
We got a whole bunch more. So again, go to arclightcinemas.com. Go to collider.com for more information on these Collider FYC screenings with Arclight Cinemas. Moving right along with our final category for today's show, we are going to do best score. Uh, I think my number one's uh, not on your list, but I'm going to cut to you, Jeff. What's number one on yours? Joker. Joker. Wow. Oh, boy. This is going to be a tough category. This is my number one. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, All right. I, I mean, it's uh, Hilder. Hilder. Yeah. Hilder. Erlinger tried to walk the- me through properly <laughs> pronouncing her name, and I failed so, so hard. But he had told me that that as as an American who can't do an accent for the life of me, I can say Hildu for her first name. Hildu. Okay. Well, he'll, whatever he'll do his name is or how it's pronounced, uh, uh, she, she did an amazing job. Uh, <laughs> I love Man. the way that the, the score is used to tell the story in Joker. Uh, again, just brilliant work. Number one. Number sure. one. Really. My number one, too. I, I think the work in one. this is incredible. Also, because I think a lot of uh, the power of this movie comes through Joaquin Phoenix's physical performance, too. But in a lot of those more physical moments, there's no dialogue and mm. there's only score. And the score sets the tone so, so perfectly. And they played and- the score on the set. They yep. did? Yes. I did not know that. I did not know that. Yep. <laughs> wow. that Very effective. Well, so so the good news is that Joker is number one on my... Honorable mention list. What? It is no. not even in my top five. Yes. When I was getting ready to come here this morning, mm. they played a, an FYC type commercial for Joker, and I wasn't even looking at the screen. But within like mere notes of that commercial you know, starting, I'm like Joker. Joker. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Well, again, this is all part of the conversation. So, so I'm open to change. My number one is a movie that uh, that we talked about over the summer with getting a whole bunch of nominations that might not now happen uh, because it's the end of the year. But I thought that Alan Silvestri's score for Avengers Endgame hmm. was epic. He has never won an Academy Award. He only has two prior nominations. And therefore, the Polar Express and Forrest Gump how Alan Silvestri did not get nominated for his score for Back to the Future is beyond me. I think we got to go back to uh, 1985 and change that. But I know it's a long shot, but I loved, loved Alan Silvestri's epic score for Avengers. So that's Endgame. your number one? That's my number one. Wow. Wow. I know. I, I mean, it is it is one that I hope you're right on and I'm wrong on. <laughs> but you don't agree. I, no, no, I don't, I don't think, sadly, right. I don't think it's going to happen. Okay, all right. Well, let's move on to, uh, what's your number two, Perry? My, num- my number two is is Little Women. I, I just think that's that's another one where the more, is it not on your list? It's not on your list. I don't think we have any of the same things on our list. It's It's another thing where I think you can hear when you're watching the movie how well the score ties into and enhances what you were expressing before as far as it honors the classic source material and the time period it takes place in, but also the more modern effect. And it is another one where I catch myself hearing commercials and listening to it outside of the movie and immediately being transported back into that atmosphere, being consumed by the world that they built. And, you know, Alexander Desplat has eight nominations, two wins. He's got a track record in the Academy. I think this one is going to happen. Uh, I know he's an amazing composer for sure. Is Little Women on your list, Jeff? It is my number four. Oh, boy. What is the matter with me today yeah, okay it's, it's a lo- right. lovely little uh score okay yeah, it, it is and i'm Alexander's so curious if we if we cross over at all uh, what's happening number, what was number two on yours 1917 okay. my number three yeah, yeah number that three. score just puts you on the battlefield with with those two guys um you know it's it's a masculine kind of military score and uh yeah i thought it was great uh thomas newman 
13 prior nominations. He's never won an Academy Award. I thought for sure he won for American Beauty, but he was just nominated. He was also nominated for the Shawshank Redemption. And in the same year, he was nominated for Little Women. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. He was, was nominated for that. Okay, that was the Winona Ryder version of Little Women. Also, American Beauty, Skyfall. Thomas Newman is, uh, you know, uh, just like the Susan Lucci of uh, composers mm-hmm. when it comes to the Oscars. But I think actually, the more I talk about, it, the more I think about it, this could be his year because yeah, he could be the favorite. Yeah. Here. Yeah, it could make him the number one. But that score is number three. Is it on your list? To- uh, marriage Story? No, no. Uh, I made 1917. Uh, I'm already moving. Well, now you know what my four is. Uh, yeah, it's it's my number three. Okay, great. So number four is Marriage is Story. Marriage Story, right. yeah. Um, my number this, three. This is another one where I do think that in the moments of silence, that's where the score really shines, but mm-hmm. also appropriately so it backs off in some of the more heated dialogue, heavy moments of the, uh, of the, of the movie there. But, you know. Randy Newman, we got how how many nominations? I think I counted 10 song nods, four score nods, and two he, wins 13, for a song. 13 nominations. That's crazy. Uh, for films like Ragtime, The Natural, Meet the Parents. He is a two-time Academy Award winner for Monsters Incorporated and Toy Story 3. Could maybe even get nominated for Toy Story 4. But I think mm-hmm. that Marriage Story will, is the bigger yeah. is the I, I think Marriage Story is a great shot in this well, category. Is, yeah, I love how his score is used to heighten uh, the emotions in, in Marriage Story because it's a, it's a movie that does sort of veer wildly between comedy and tragedy and those music cues sort of help tell you how to how to feel. So, yeah, he did a great job, and that's my number three. Number three. Okay, that's my number two. Marriage Story is my number two. Uh, should we uh, – okay. Uh, number four for me was, was Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. I mean – Oh, you're going big. You're on I'm Avengers and Star Wars. Yeah, what what Avengers is new to these scores? That, uh, like, after, I don't understand. After I saw it, uh-huh. I bumped Rise of Skywalker off almost all of my list. Did you really? Yeah. It was horrible. Almost all of my list. Uh, all right. But, but well, like, what are the new cues that are like, oh, my God, like I've never to, heard. Like, to be fair, I think that... Um, I mean, John Williams has done an exceptional job, obviously, on the franchise overall. But I think in particular, his use and evolution of Ray's theme throughout this movie is very, very key to making certain transitions for that character work so well. And also to interweave uh, some of the classic uh, motifs like when, uh, you know, the uh, uh, Luke raises the his X-Wing. Uh, just like he did in Empire Strikes Back, you know, it brought the feels for me. Okay. 51 nominations total, 51 over the course of his career. He is a five-time Oscar winner for Fiddler on the Roof, Jaws, the original Star Wars, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, and Schindler's List. And Perry, what you just said about John Williams doing all these films over 42 years, I feel like they're – whether – you really think that the score alone is deserving. I think the fact that he did all nine and he's with us, I think he's going to get nominated. I think the fact that he, he closed it out, he, he stuck the landing. I think there's something to be said about that, but not on your list either, I'm guessing. Listen, you guys have made good arguments here. Like okay. I, when I asked about the cues, like you, you had answers for me. I think there's this explanation about John Williams and, and him sticking with the franchise and everything, and he's getting up there, you know, like... It, it all makes sense to me, but uh, I, I just cannot bring myself to, to give that film a nomination. Okay, well, what else is on your list? Uh, I, I For my number five, I got Us. 
Okay. That makes I, me so happy. I, I think that us could be an iconic <laughs> horror theme that, you know, we're still recognizing the notes to 20 years from now. Um, so even though I didn't love the movie personally, it's hard to argue with that music. That's my uh, number five. That's your number five. It's my number five, and it's my personal favorite score of the whole year. I, Mike Julakis? Um, Michael Abels? Is, that, is it Abels? Or? Abels. Who's, wait, who's Julakis? It's, my, it's Michael Abels and... After my very, I, I've told you this. I think after my first viewing, I got the I got the score, oh, he's and I did. I did a lot of my uh, I did a lot of my marathon training to the score of this movie because I found that when, well, when I when I was running, I, I do like to transport myself somewhere oh, else I to agree. forget what I'm doing, yeah. and that's a score that's so specific and so unique, and just so well captures the moment that immediately certain immediately when certain themes kick in. Like I, I pictured the movie, and I, I sure. lose where I am in the moment. But that has more than one, I think, iconic themes in it that are going to be around for a long, long time, and immediately make you think of us when you hear even just a few notes. So far on this list, the movies that are on your list were two of them were in my honorable mentions: Joker and Us. One of them not even in my honorable mention. That was Little Women, but I should put it there because you're right; it's a great score. Personally. My favorite score of the year, personally, it's not on my top five to get nominated, but it's a score that I really loved was Ford versus Ferrari. It just, there was a rock and roll to it. Marco Beltrami, Mm -hmm. uh, he just did such a great job. I kept thinking that that the, uh, you know, uh, director James Mangold uh, put rock and roll music that just from the time, from the mid-60s, just as a soundtrack, mm-hmm. but this was an actual score. And I'm like, that is a score that I would run to. And I should, because uh, I, I just need to pick it up. But it is in my honorable mention. I love the movie. It's one of my favorite movies of the year, Ford versus Ferrari. It's a terrific film. It passed $200 million worldwide. But for a movie like that, that's a very so big what, deal. what were your five films? Now my, my five films, okay, were Avengers, Marriage Story, 1917, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, and... Pain and Glory. Pain and Glory. Okay. Pain and Glory. That's, see, that's another one. Alberto, Alberto Iglesias, three prior nominations for The Constant Gardener, The Kite Runner, and Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy. Uh, there is a melancholy to this score that really stayed with me, some cases more than the rest of the movie itself. But uh, on my list, he was the number five. The, the honorable mention that I had um, was Motherless Brooklyn, and that, that's a melancholy score. I, I yeah. just loved how jazzy it was. Uh, Radiohead's my favorite band. You can hear yeah. Tom York's influence all over this, this score. Um, yeah, like I, that movie was a bomb at the box office. Nobody went to see it. I, I, I get it, <laughs> but it was, it was a kind of pleasant surprise, and I hope it's not overlooked in the score category. Harry? Mine would be Ford v. Ferrari for honorable mention. That was one of my biggest takeaways after the first screening. Such that was, great you know, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of great in that movie, but I think that if I walked out of that first screening rooting for anything in particular, it was for the score. So, uh, so what's, your t- what's your five? So my five are going down from one to five. Mm-hmm. Joker, Little Women, 1917, Marriage Story, and Us. Jeff, your top your five? It's the same five. The same Joker, five. Joker, 1917, Marriage Story, Little Women, Us. So, so the two movies that I have in... in, in, uh, in Marriage Story, Marriage and, Story and 1917. So those are definitely those in the mix. In. So, okay. 
talking Joker, right. Little Women, and Us I'm versus going to, Avengers, Star Wars, and right, Painting right. Glory. I'm going to make the case again for Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, a very mixed film. I mean, I loved it, but I, I loved it as a fan. Uh, more than the fact that it's it's a great movie, which it's not a great movie, but I did love it. It brought the feels for me because I love Star Wars. And again, John Williams, he's a legend. Yeah, he has five other Oscars, uh, but I feel like he should get his 52nd nomination. Give him his 52nd. He, he deserves it. He I, well, deserves let me, it. If we made you pick okay, yeah. between Star Wars and Avengers, which would you pick? All right. Personally, I think Avengers is a better score. All right, so let's put Avengers on and Joker on because Joker was our number okay, one. Yeah. All right, uh, I'll, okay. I'll go with that. Okay. So now All we right. have Joker, Avengers, 1917 Marriage Story, and then it's between Little Women, Us, Pain and Glory, and Star Wars for the last one. Little Women, Us, Pain and Glory. All right. Uh, Where do you have Little Women again? Four. Those are my two. I'm going to go with Us. That's the one that sticks out in my head. That's the one. Okay, that's it. What do you think? You I'm good? I'm fine with it. I'm okay. I, I can I can live with it. All right. Then 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 here. So we lost Little Women. I'm still for, rooting for, for Little Women for the record. Look, look. Uh, I, I losing Star Wars, but you know, if you you asked a great question, which movie deserves it more? St- for for just based on the merits of this score and nothing else. Uh, Avengers Endgame deserves mm-hmm. a nomination. Alan Silvestri deserves, like, I walked out of that film. I sat next to you, Perry, at that uh, premiere downtown at the uh, L.A. Convention Center. And I walked out going, man, that was an amazing score. A lot of times these days, you know, some of these epic superhero sci-fi movies don't have motifs that you really take with you. But that did. So here it is. Joker, Avengers Endgame. Us, Marriage Story, and 1917. Wow, great conversation. Great conversation. Many more to come. Many, many more to come. Wow, that does it for this jam-packed episode of Collider FYC. Again, big thank you to our sponsor and our partner, Arclight Cinemas. Again, go to arclightcinemas.com and go to collider.com for upcoming Collider FYC screenings that we would love to see you at so you can come up to us and say hello and tell us how much you love Collider FYC. Also, Please, please, please share today's episode of Collider FYC. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Instagram. If you're still using MySpace, that's totally cool. Please do share Collider FYC. Share our podcast, our audio version. Review our audio version. Please, please, please share. Hit me up on Twitter at MovieMance. Hit her up at P. Nemiroff. Hit him up at The In Snyder on Twitter. Make sure you tag Collider Video. Tag hashtag Collider FYC. And that does it for today's episode of Collider FYC. Until next time, FY. See you later. Napa Know How. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. 
Shop Black Friday week deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the Big One Throws, $8.49. Toastmaster Small Appliances are just $2.14 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday week deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Offers valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code ENJOY15. Lego and Fitbit. Offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.